so we know you love your wrestling podcasts. But maybe you're looking to take a break or supplement your wrestling podcasts with another genre. I've got a great option for you. The podcast is called Philip and Michael Talk Movies. Doesn't get more simple than that, right? So what exactly is this? It's a comedy podcast where indie pro wrestler Philip Shadburn and filmmaker Michael Benton, they tell you everything you ever wanted to know about your favorite movies. They do 80s action, comedies, horror, slasher movies, sci-fi, and a whole bunch more stuff. So check out some of the movies that they've reviewed. Silent Night, Jingle All the Way. They did a, a bit of a Christmas special. They did Edward Scissorhands, Alien, John Carpenter's E.T., Fire in the Sky, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Arrival. So, guys, this is a podcast you're going to love. I was listening to just their latest couple of episodes on Close Encounters and Arrival. It, I was laughing out loud. I mean, they are just such a dynamic duo. They have a great chemistry. The audio is second to none. They have a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts. That's impossible. I mean, that is impossible. Guys, we have like a 4.1, all right? They're kicking our ass. Uh, they've got a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts. It's nearly impossible to do. So that tells you the quality of this podcast. And if you want to just get away, you're a movie aficionado and you love kind of 80s and slashers and things, check out Philip and Michael Talk Movies. They also have a Patreon uh, page if you're interested at patreon.com slash PMTM. So you can go support them there. Of course, they're available nearly everywhere you have podcasts as well. So check out Philip and Michael Talk Movies. So are you a trucker or do you know somebody that's a trucker? Somebody that drives an 18-wheeler for a living, right? They, they basically live out of their truck. Well, there's a website that I can give to you that may be a great gift for them. And that is truckerfactory.com. That's truckerfactory.com. So what's this website about? It's got everything you need to essentially live in your truck. If you're on the road a lot, this website's for you because it's got everything you'd need from dash cams to GPS, smartphones, chargers, AC and DC adapters, portable power stations, laptops, everything you need to stay connected, as well as awesome apparel that'll keep you warm while you're on the road, headsets so you're hands-free while you're driving. So we know there's a lot of people out there that drive trucks for a living, and especially today. So... Go check out truckerfactory.com. All of their prices are extremely reasonable. I mean, really high-end laptops for under $1,000. The latest smartphones at a discounted price. I mean, this is a website that you can't go wrong with if you live on the road or if you know somebody that's living on a road, driving a truck, for example. So check out truckerfactory.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE podcast. Today is January 27th, 2021. You guessed it. As always, we are talking about last night's episode of Dynamite, and we have a whole bunch to get into because it was beach break. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means, uh, except for the fact that it's Orange Cassidy's finisher, and somehow Orange Cassidy is always the main event on beach break. But other than that, guys, it was still an awesome show. I have a bunch of great stuff I want to get into with you guys, and there was some stuff that I wasn't really a fan of and I think I'm definitely going to have some unpopular opinions here on this show so if you're somebody who doesn't like unpopular opinions every now and then you're probably listening to the wrong show which you should still stick around anyways and if you don't like my voice we have a whole bunch of other voices on this show including a raw review with Matt and an NXT review with Zach Smith and so much more a Smackdown review with Michael Ritter it, it just there's so much that goes on here go check all of it out if even if you like my voice, you should check out their voices as well, and you should listen to their shows as well, including this Friday, 
of Royal Rumble preview with Matt. And uh, I know I feel like I've claimed her as my co-host, but uh, the Ashley man is popping on there to help Matt uh, with the Royal Rumble preview. So look forward to that tomorrow night. Whole bunch of awesome stuff happening here on the WWE podcast. So if you hate ads, you should subscribe. Patreon, dollar a month, totally ad free. Uh, Patreon.com slash WWE podcast or on the app. Just search the WWE podcast on the Patreon app and uh, and you can subscribe and get all these shows ad free for just a buck a month. Or you can subscribe on iTunes as well. There's also that option and you get uh, an exclusive show or two with the whole deal as well. So. It's 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 a lot of bang for your buck, guys. And I did the whole plug before we even did the intro. So I guess we're just changing stuff up this week. And you know what? Let's play the intro and get into last night's episode of Dynamite right after this. To dominate! Don't go on, Jeff Perry! Nobody is gonna take this away from me! This is mine once again! All right, you guys, just like Dynamite last night, we are going to jump right on into things because Dynamite started with Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara in the ring. If you wanted to watch the entrances, I think they were on YouTube, which is, you know what? They're making an effort. But you, you know what? No, guys, we're like two seconds into the show. Not even. We're, actually, we're about, I don't know, 20 seconds secondly into this portion of the show. And I'm already, I'm already going to sidetrack. I am already going to sidetrack. Because I had this thought, I was thinking, I don't know why, that you know, I, I, I watched the show at about 5 a.m. this morning, uh, at least the second half of it, because I fell asleep to some of it last night, not because it was, you know what, no, I, I take it back, I fell asleep to the second match on the show, and you'll probably know exactly why when we start talking about that, but I did fall asleep to this last night, and so I had to wake up a little early and finish it this morning before I got myself to my, to my adult job, and I, uh, I had this thought. Uh, later on in the day as I was just reminiscing about Dynamite because that's, I don't know, tell me I'm not alone. Tell me other people do that too, please. And um, I had this thought that was, why why do we, like, why do we shorten stuff? Like, why do we make it so wrestlers can't have their entrances and do all this stuff? Like, why are we cramming so much into a two-hour episode of Dynamite? Why not just, like, save some of that good stuff and put it on next and like allow people to do their entrances and don't feel like matches are rushed and all this stuff like why do we have to cram so much in the two hours and one hour why can't we let stuff breathe a little bit and that way you don't have to have challengers for your world title that make it feel like a mid-card viewed at best uh just a thought just a thought i had but uh, nonetheless, let's get on into it. Because the, the, the whole argument, no, not nonetheless, I'm not done actually. The whole argument about that is that, oh, well, we need to save it. And we're just, he's just like, this is just the ch- a challenger or whatever for until later. We need to save it for, you know, when when a, the real challenger happens at the pay-per-view or yada, yada, like interim challenger essentially. Why have that? Why have that? When you could just stop, you know, wasting all this or like squishing all this stuff together in one show and just like uh, spread stuff out a little bit. Let stuff breathe. And that way you have more content for a longer period of time. So you don't have to feel like you have to like put these things that aren't that good in uh, in the meanwhile. For Like you don't have to have like a, a moderate thing at best, by the way, in between two good things. You can just have like, 
a good thing that isn't so, you know, rushed. I don't know if any of that made sense, but let's let's just get into. The, I already, like I said, I already sidetracked. Let's just get into this opening match because Sammy Guevara, Cody Rhodes, ladder match for the TNT title, and wow, was there a lot of crazy spots in this match? Um, you all remember it probably, and if you didn't watch this match, you're a lunatic and go watch this match. Not because it was a five star classic, because it wasn't. And again, all these opinions subjective. Dave Meltzer's five star rating stuff subjective. Any other podcast you listen to. Thoughts? Subjective. And uh, anything, any anybody else you're talking to about wrestling, any wrestling fans, right? All opinions on this stuff. All, all opinions on anything. It's just subjective, right? This is a weird comparison, but I'm, I'm just feeling like a little sidetrack train today, so we're going to do it again. Uh, the weird analogy, but like uh, museums. I always found museums so weird, like art museums specifically. I just don't, I don't get it. Because I go in there and like, I'm really uninterested by like, a good amount of the stuff, and, like, my dad will just stand there and look at that stuff and be like, oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. And my brother will sit there and look at this, and like, hmm, hmm. My other brother and I are looking at each other like, are we supposed to pretend like we are being, you know, provoked by this because they're being provoked by this, thought-provoked, and to not look shallow and, and unintelligent? No, but, like, that's not how it works, right? Because later on in the museum, or maybe in a different part of wherever we're at that time or a different kind of museum or whatever like we are provoked everything is subjective art is subjective and wrestling is a type of art I don't know if that made any sense but really to these people at least I think in AEW right to most of the wrestlers in AEW wrestling is an art form uh you don't teach uh Tony Khan I have to, I think I still have that tweet pinned on my Twitter by the way you can follow me on that Twitter at Mimi Burris uh but anyways and the thing, I think I still have that tweet pinned. That's Tony Khan saying, this is like a, a non-idiotic tweet, tweet by Tony Khan. Would you believe that? But uh, you, can't, uh, you can't teach wrestlers to like paint by numbers. I'm totally, totally butchering that. And I don't know exactly how it goes. So you know what? Cliffhanger. Because my memory is so awful, you're going to have to go follow me or just go check out my Twitter, at Mimi Burris. Uh, to see the tweet that I'm talking about because it was a really it was a really good point. And uh, if I don't have it pinned there anymore and I just totally forgot about that, then this has been a waste of your time and mine. So let's move on down back to our match here. This uh, this ladder match was I don't want to call it a spot fest, uh, but obviously we had the just off the top of my head, right? I'm not even looking at any notes or anything, right? And that's because these spots were memorable enough where here I am about a little under 24 hours later and I still can remember these spots. We had the cutter off the the cutter, the cutter off the ladder uh, off the other ladder like the, it was he, Sammy Guevara was on one ladder, but really he was on the turnbuckle, but then the other ladder and then there was another ladder. The cutter was the uh, highlight of the match without a doubt. The Sammy Guevara used the top of a metal ladder and made it look like a trampoline. Uh, like, Mouth was on the floor watching that. Just absolutely, like, I can't, I can't even describe that. I don't know how a human being does that. I just don't, I, I didn't, like, the height that he got on that and the um, crossroads off the ladder looked like Sammy Guevara got a concussion. Uh, the senton on the outside onto Cody Rhodes, who was on a ladder, and, and, and the ricochet uh, off of Cody Rhodes. Oh, my God. It just, ugh. And the superplex where Cody Rhodes just, like, held him up, up top, up top, up top for so long. I didn't think they were actually going to go, go, like, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes are on the ground uh, in agony. So, 
a bunch of awesome spots in this match, guys. And really, the uh, finish being that Sammy Guevara just hit Cody Rhodes over the head with the title. Cody Rhodes fell. Sammy Guevara took the titles off the little bar thing at the top there. And we have a new, kind of new, not really new TNT champion in Sammy Guevara. Which, you know, result aside, I guess, let's, let's get into the match first and foremost. And I bit my lip, you guys, the other day. Actually, I was allergic to something. I had some kind of allergic reaction to something. And my lip got all huge, and then I accidentally bit it. So, like, I really bit it. I don't know if you've ever been to the dentist, and they numb your gums, or they numb your mouth, or something, and then you accidentally bite your cheek, and then the next day you're like, oh my god, this really, you know what, hurts, because you couldn't feel it the day before. Well, that's what happened the other day, is I bit my lip by accident, and now I have this super poofy lip, and it makes it makes podcasting or just talking in general to other human beings, really difficult. So bear with me as my, my speech is, is handicapped at the moment with this um, with my poofy lip. But uh, anyways, what was I saying? What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the ladder match. All right. So the uh, Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara, I love the way this started. And I think I really like the way it started because Cody Rhodes has, has beaten Sammy Guevara every single time they've gotten in the ring together, right? Sammy Guevara cannot beat Cody Rhodes in a wrestling match. And it was clear with the way that they were going back and forth, right? Cody Rhodes clearly had Sammy Guevara's number, and then they make their way to the outside. A very good transition from, like, pure wrestling match in a way to uh, to now we're getting into a ladder match. And for me, guys, that's where the good transition stopped. Uh, I'm going to make a weird comparison here, but bear with me because I've been making weird comparisons all podcasts. All podcasts. All podcasts. All podcasts long I've been making weird comparisons. Uh, and this one's just, just about as weird. I'm going to bring you back to NXT. I'm going to bring you back to the empty performance center NXT. Actually, we're going to go, we're going to go to dark times. Uh, and it was Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley in a last woman standing match. And, uh, and I think it was my high for the week back for the originals who remember the highs and lows of the week. Uh, and they had a last woman standing match, and it was an incredible match, despite the fact that Raquel Gonzalez just, like, ripped, I don't know, chain link fence, fencing, that, like, that looked really cool, this is what, when, uh, Raquel Gonzalez was still really cool, and, um, Rhea Ripley still had some kind of aura, <laughs> but this match was so awesome, and this last man, this last woman, whatever, last man standing match was so awesome, and we're gonna talk about this in the main event as well, but because these two women managed to make it so when they went from one area of the arena, whether it was backstage, near the ring, outside of the ring, whatever, when they went from one area to the other, you were almost like, oh my god, like, when, let's say, okay, so then when they went from A to B to C to D to E, we're at E, and you're like, oh my god, how did we get to E here? We were, or I thought we were at A, like, it just was such a smooth transition, because it didn't feel forced, it wasn't like we were just trying to get over here to get over here like there was a really good spot in the match with the Dakota Kai in a locker and that was really funny like Rhea Ripley locking Dakota Kai in a locker just just creative good stuff but it didn't feel like they were like doing a spot fest where they were just going from A spot to B spot to C spot and D spots over here so we have to like punch each other and make our way over here and um and this brings me to my next issue which I have this in all matches not just this match in in Every single match ever, essentially, that's ever done this. I can't stand when wrestlers go into the crowd. I can't stand it. And I have been in the crowd and, like, wanted to see that. Yeah, sure, but I, to me, on TV, it's, like, not worth it. It's so... It, 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 every single time, it takes me out of the moment. 
because it always looks so fake all of a sudden. Like the punches are so like they're just everything gets sloppier because you're obviously you're around a bunch of other human beings. You don't want to hurt anybody else who's not a professional wrestler. You don't want to even hurt the person you're in a wrestling match with. Um, and so everything looks contrived and you're like walking backwards together as you're punching each other just to get to a certain spot to do a certain move. It just, it never looks fluid and natural. And, uh, and obviously they did that in this match for a little while. They went to the outside. It was very short, but still I can't stand it immediately. You've lost like Mimi points. I don't know if you guys are keeping track of your Mimi points, but Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes lost Mimi points when they went out into the crowd in uh, about the middle of their match last night. So that that's another a perfect example of like oh we're just trying to get from here to here because it looks cool or because we have to get over here like it's when things look scripted and and, and like and contrived I guess is the best word for it I immediately am no longer in the moment I can't focus like I'm not just enjoying the match I'm like oh I don't know it just it takes me out every single time if you guys didn't have never seen that match between Raquel Gonzalez and uh, Rhea Ripley, again, it's NXT empty performance, so it's going to be a little jarring. Uh, now that we got our crowds back here, God willing, you know, stay safe, wear a mask, get vaccinated, uh, get boosted, and uh, and all that stuff, so we can continue to, you know, hopefully be safe and, and and have full arenas again, and continue to have full arenas. I mean, but yeah, I would I would go watch it if you haven't seen this match. I wouldn't blame you guys for not watching because the NXT Performance Center era sucked. But uh, Capital Wrestling Center, whatever it was called. But yes, this match is definitely worth a watch. And uh, and it's a really good example of getting from one spot to the other. Uh, and I'm going to go on a totally severe tangent here, guys. But I promise we will reel it back in and we'll skip through some of the stuff on the show we don't care about. But uh, Mick Foley. Mick Foley has been on the record multiple times of saying he is, he's, and, and other people who have wrestled him as well, saying that he's really good at, you know, uh, doing like uh, the magician's trick where he distracts you over here with something else so you don't notice we have something going on over here, right? Like, and the best example I can think of this is, uh, I think I got this from some documentary, actually, that they did on the WWE Network uh, or Peacock or whatever it was on. Uh, Triple H, McFoley, Hell in a Cell match. I don't know what year it was. I don't remember what, I don't, I don't quote, I'm, I'm not that good, but I, I know they were on top of the cell and they were going to do something. They were going to do something. And I can't even remember what the thing that they were actually going to do was, but Mick Foley lit us like a piece of wood on fire. And that was like the, the, I, there's not a word for it. And I can't think of like, not the red herring, but like, that was like the distraction piece. Like, look, everybody at this big flame and they ended up doing something else. And I can't even, I, you know, someone tweet me. On, on what happened. I'm sure one of you will know. One of you guys, uh, most of you have so much more wrestling knowledge than I do. Yeah, so tweet me on what they actually did on the top rope there. Or if you've seen that documentary on Peacock slash the WWE Network and you know what I'm talking about. That kind of stuff is so, so, so underutilized now. People don't do that anymore. Uh, they just go from spot to spot. And that's to me what this match felt like. It felt like you know, oh, we have a lights match out, uh, uh, a lights out match later on in the show, so we can't get too violent, violent. So we have to get ladder match violent, which means we have to jump off the ladder six hundred times. And it really felt like it was like they built. We're gonna talk about this later on, actually, with a promo. But they built the match around a couple spots they wanted to do, and that's why they're having a ladder match. It just it didn't feel earned. It it felt spotty and not in a good way and it felt like they just contrived and got from one way to the other with all that being said guys 
These are two grown men who put their body through absolute hell to do all this stuff. I always want to, you know, make sure I'm acknowledging that. Like, I don't, I, I could never, I could, I fall over. Not even. I lay down in bed and I struggle to get up, back up out of bed. Everything creaks. I'm young and not able, right? So, like, power to these guys and ladies and everybody who put themselves through all this. I don't mean to sound like a spoiled wrestling fan, but we're on here to critique stuff, right? And to me, right, wrestling is an art. And my version of the, the version of art that I like to look at the museum, guys, isn't the one that's just spot here, spot here, spot there. I like to look at something that's more of a fluid motion. I'm more of a watercolor kind of gal, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and if you guys are more of whatever, splatter paint, that's cool too. If you enjoyed this, because a lot of people really seem to enjoy this, that's cool too. I enjoyed watching these incredible spots, and Sammy Guevara is going to continue to be this person who, you know, puts forth amazing, amazing, you know, feats of, of athleticism and ingenuity and all that stuff. And, and Cody Rhodes, power to him as well, worked a really good match here. Cody Rhodes is such a veteran, and you could see it, and, and I don't think you could get like that crossroads to look so good and you could, could never even get that cutter to look something like that that senton where it looked like Sammy Guevara just like fell from out of a plane you could never get any of that stuff to look that good with any other people besides Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara so power to these guys they definitely put their bodies on the line and it was entertaining ish you know for sure it just I don't know I wouldn't rank this as like a good match personally um uh, result pending right Sammy Guevara winning the TNT title I was surprised. I was surprised. I really thought they were going to go with Cody with this. And I'm curious to know where they're going to go with Cody next, if they're going to do anything at all. Because in that promo that Ashley and I talked about last week, in that promo that he cut last week on Dynamite, he pretty much laid out about six programs while he was for, like forgot to even mention until the end the actual match that he needed to have with Sammy Guevara. But whatever. Whatever. Um, so I'm excited to hear where Cody Rhodes goes next in a way. But also, I'm more excited because, like, like morbid curiosity. I don't think this stuff that Cody Rhodes is doing is good, uh, per se. I, I think sometimes it can be entertaining in a morbid curiosity kind of way. And like, a, I don't know, we watch, or not we watch, I watch, I don't know. I watch Cody Rhodes now with like, I, in fact, I actually feel like I went into this entire show uh, like nervous. I was almost like really, I just really wanted the show to be good. And, and I just really wanted it to be well executed. And I just really wanted everybody to have a great night. And I just really wanted the fans to be happy and the performance to be happy and wrestlers, I mean, to be happy, excuse me. And uh, Tony Khan to be, I just wanted everybody to be happy. And I just feel like I, I don't know, I, I just went into this whole thing nervous. Like in a, in a, I just wanted everybody, I just like a nervous, excited way. Uh, and, and I definitely think a lot of it lived up to, to the hype, if not more so, but I think a lot of stuff, I don't know, a lot of stuff on this dynamite, like none of this stuff was like terribly awful. It just wasn't, I mean, it's not like we had 17 interruptions again. So, uh, you know, you're not going to hear me rant about that for an entire 40 minutes, but it, it felt like it felt, I think the theme of the show was it felt like people had one idea and then tried to build something around it rather than trying to build like building blocks. Is that the best way to describe it? Like it felt like, okay, last analogy for the next five minutes, I promise guys. But I don't know if anybody else had like a little fake brick building blocks when they were kids. Um, Or if you still have them now when you're a grown adult, power to you, by the way. No judgment here. We don't judge here on the WWE podcast. Uh, But like, I, I remember we had these awesome ones that like, 
they were all these different neon colors and you could open the top and you could put stuff inside of it as well and then we had like regular little wooden fake like you know cardboard not wooden they were not wooden like cardboard uh fake brick block things my whole point is we would build these giant walls right and uh, and we would actually bust through them uh you know a la stone cold and stuff like that but we couldn't shatter glass so but yes we would bust through them and uh if I tried to build that wall, right, and I took one block and I had, you know what, I had the idea, I want the wall to start here. And I just like put, you can't see me because this is a podcast. And I just put that block in the middle of the air, right, like at arm's length. And I just put that and said, you know what, I'm going to start here and we're going to build around it. It would fall and it wouldn't work. Uh, it would fall and it would not work because you can't build around. Even if I had like six of those and I just put them all around in different areas and I said, you know what, this is going to be our weird little structure and then we will build up from here but we need to build around these little bricks it wouldn't work right clearly gravity would happen and all the bricks would fall I felt like this this entire show suffered from a lot of angles that that had that mentality of like oh I want to do this this spot this spot and that spot or I want to do this promo this promo and that promo and I want to say this in my promo and I want to do that and I want to do this in the angle and this in the match and this how can we build to get to this point because rather than just like building a story arc uh, and I don't think that works. And I think, uh, I think every now and then maybe, but I, I don't, that doesn't, it didn't work for me last night. However, a lot of the wrestling was super entertaining. And like, right, we saw that amazing cutter Sammy Guevara did. So it's not like we're watching a bad wrestling show. I, I really did enjoy a lot of this, but when you actually pick it apart for like what it was, it, it didn't have a lot of substance to it. So, all right. Speaking of not having a lot of substance to it. No, I don't even know what we're talking about next. I just wanted to have a good transition. But actually, you know what? That would be totally wrong because this man, these men, all three of these men have more substance than I have, than I will ever hope to have in in each one of their pinky fingers uh, that I will ever have in my entire life because we had Powerhouse, Powerhouse, Powerhouse. We had Will Hobbs, Absolute Ricky Starks, and uh, Tony Schiavone outside being interviewed. Uh, Tony Schiavone was doing the interviewing and they were uh, on a beach. But it was freezing cold and snowy because it's January. It is January, right? It's January, and uh, why they do breach beach break in the middle of the uh, winter, I don't know. But because because Orange Cassidy is having a feud that's coming to a head, that's why they do it. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, by the way. The overalls and the jacket, while like Tony Schiavone is talking about the fact that his hand is frozen to the microphone, and and Ricky Starks has got all these layers on, and and. I'm I'm loving Powerhouse Hobbs more and more every week, guys. With like the week before with the one, two, three, four, five. I don't know why that made me it was so funny to me. And then the the overalls and the jacket. I, I think uh, you know, they talked about how they're gonna have another match against Dante Martin. Excuse me, Powerhouse Hobbs is. And uh I'm excited for that because I thought I thought the last two did not deliver as to what they could. Like, I think these guys definitely need a, a last shot. And with Powerhouse Hobbs winning the first match, Dante Martin winning the second, you've got your best of three series. And and I think there's still a lot more juice to, to get out of this fruit because I really don't think they got a lot out of it. I, I don't think the other two matches were all that great. I think I understand that both men are still fairly green. So that's kind of, that would be the uh, the reasoning. But with that being said, it's almost like it's 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 an expected over delivery, if that makes any sense. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch this match again, and I and this whole promo made me laugh. I thought this was funny. So uh, we had Wardlow versus two dudes. I, I didn't get their names. 
we had some power bombs, uh, and you know, we all sang to the power bombs, and it was a symphony. And then we didn't have the Sean Spears chair stuff. As always, guys, you've heard me say it every week. I love this. This is like a necessary evil, except it's not evil. It's wonderful. Uh, you know, if you're ever having a bad day, for me, I need to watch Malachi Black kick people in the face, preferably Brock Anderson. You can watch Wardlow powerbomb poor innocent men to, you know, the inner depths of a wrestling ring. Uh, next up, we had 2.0. And Daniel Garcia versus the Inner Circle and Chris Jericho. And I'm going to give you the result first, I guess. The Inner Circle did win uh, technically by a pile driver from Santana on Matt Lee. And they got the pinfall. But with a little assist from Chris Jericho with the Judas effect. If you guys didn't see this for any reason, the whole story of this match was that uh, Chris Jericho, that both Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz were refusing to tag in Chris Jericho. They were still mad at, at, at their dad. They were mad at their dad, wouldn't tag him in, and uh, kept tagging each other in. And even when Chris Jericho would tag himself in, they would just tag themselves back in. I, I did like that part. I was like, yeah, you can just reach in and re-tag yourself in. That's such a funny thing. Sometimes people just don't do that. You could just have literally a match that's just endless tags. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so that was the story of this match, and Chris Jericho essentially, like, gets off the apron by the end of it, is all upset about it, and hits the Judas effect on Matt Lee, and then, uh, like I said, they're able to get the windfall, Santana hitting a pile driver on him as well, and then pinning him. And after the match, you know, they go back and forth a little bit, like, we don't hear what they're saying, obviously, but so, uh, essentially... The problem with the problem that I had with this, like the actual wrestling in the ring was not bad, right? Like we've talked about this before. We just talked about it before. We just talked about it a couple minutes ago. These people put their body on the line for our entertainment. I will always appreciate that. You're listening to the WWE podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. So are you a trucker or do you know somebody that's a trucker? Somebody that drives an 18-wheeler for a living, right? They, they basically live out of their truck. Well, there's a website that I can give to you that may be a great gift for them, and that is truckerfactory.com. That's truckerfactory.com. So what's this website about? It's got everything you need to essentially live in your truck. If you're on the road a lot, this website's for you because it's got everything you'd need from dash cams to GPS, smartphones, chargers, AC and DC adapters, portable power stations, laptops, everything you need to stay connected, as well as awesome apparel that'll keep you warm while you're on the road, headsets so you're hands-free while you're driving. So we know there's a lot of people out there that drive trucks for a living, and especially today. So go check out truckerfactory.com. All of their prices are extremely reasonable. I mean, really high-end laptops for under $1,000, the latest smartphones at a discounted price. I mean, this is a website that you can't go wrong with if you live on the road or if you know somebody that's living on a road, driving a truck, for example. So check out truckerfactory.com. So we know you love your wrestling podcasts, but maybe you're looking to take a break or supplement your wrestling podcasts with another genre. I've got a great option for you. The podcast is called Philip and Michael Talk Movies. Doesn't get more simple than that, right? So what exactly is this? It's a comedy podcast where indie pro wrestler Philip Shadburn and filmmaker Michael Benton, they tell you everything you ever wanted to know about your favorite movies. They do 80s action, comedies, horror, slasher movies, sci-fi, and a whole bunch more stuff. So check out some of the movies that they've reviewed. Silent Night, 
Jingle All the Way. They did a, a bit of a Christmas special. They did Edward Scissorhands, Alien, John Carpenter's E.T., Fire in the Sky, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Arrival. So, guys, this is a podcast you're going to love. I was listening to just their latest couple of episodes on Close Encounters and Arrival. It, I was laughing out loud. I mean, they are just such a dynamic duo. They have a great chemistry. The audio is second to none. They have a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts. That's impossible. I mean, that is impossible. Guys, we have like a 4.1, all right? They're kicking our ass. Uh, they got a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts. It's nearly impossible to do. So that tells you the quality of this podcast. And if you want to just get away, you're a movie aficionado and you love kind of 80s and slashers and things, check out Philip and Michael Talk Movies. They also have a Patreon uh, page if you're interested at patreon.com slash PMTM. So you can go support them there. Of course, they're available nearly everywhere you have podcasts as well. So check out Philip and Michael Talk Movies. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. However... This was, I feel like I've seen this match six times, and this was the way more boring version of it, uh, because this one didn't have Eddie Kingston, it had Chris Jericho, 50-year-old Chris Jericho, let's call it spade a spade, guys, and um, and yeah, and I've seen this six-man tag a million times too, it just didn't, I don't know, I, uh, I, I really, I felt, I couldn't tell you a thing that happened in this match, I could not tell you a thing that happened in this match other than the story that was being told with the inner circle. And the stories, whatever, I, we, I don't know, I, I don't, is the inner circle breaking up? I just, I, to me, I don't hate it. I don't hate the story. I do not hate the story. I just think that this was a long, a longer match to tell a weird story. And two, I think 2.0 should have got the victory if they lost to these people. Really, it was a three-on-two handicap match. So you'd think that, you know, it just doesn't make Daniel Garcia and 2.0 look that good. I just, this was boring. I've just seen this. I've seen this 600 times and we saw street fights and all these other versions of this, this whole match. And, um, and I don't know, it feels like every 2.0 and Daniel Garcia match is just a rerun. Like, it just feels like it's the same thing. Tell me why this is any different than when they feuded with, uh, they feud with Darby Allen, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. It's like the same exact thing that they got going on. So I don't know. I just, I'm, I I need something new. This is just so, uh, with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia specifically, but also um, let's move this story with the inner circle and Santana and Ortiz if we want it to continue. If I, if I want to be entertained by this, I think we have to move it on, like move on from 2.0 and Daniel Garcia and just like, I don't know, maybe you find the next story beat that doesn't have to do with those three men because I've just, I've seen every it feels like it hasn't even been, but it feels like I've seen every variation of this match. So, all right, we got a video package for Hangman Adam Page and Lance Archer. You guys kind of heard what I, I had to say about that already, so we're going to move on. Uh, we got a video package, not a video package, an interview with Tony Schiavone, uh, Jurassic Express, Kristen Cage, and Private Party with Matt Hardy. Uh, Private Party is the new number one contenders. They're going to challenge Jurassic Express. I, I don't know, guys. I still think they should have put the t- kept the titles on the Lucha Bros. To me, uh, it just didn't. It doesn't feel like a, a, a one of the four pillars won the title. It just I don't have that feeling yet. And and all these like little you know few all these little matches you're gonna get with with um 
what's his name? Uh, why am I totally the the Gun Club, the Gun Club and uh, private party and all that. That's great. I'm actually I will always I'm always advocating for more private party wrestling on my television. I think they're so incredibly talented. I think you fast or you rewind like two years, and private party were like still I feel like a bigger deal then than they are now with this whole Hardy family office thing. So I don't know. There's a comment about a watch that I thought it was kind of funny with the Jungle Boy, but I'm um. I'm ready for them to like flip the switch with this. Well, not flip the switch, but really build up a little bit again with this Christian and Jungle Boy feud thing turning on each other. I have a feeling that's not going to happen until they lose the titles. Oh, this is a short title reign. I think that's probably what they should do is have this be a short title reign and have FTR take the belts off them or have Young Bucks take the belts off them. Or give, give, give the belts to uh, a, a reliable team for a little while so we can rebuild this tag team division and make those titles feel as prestigious as they did around the Young Bucks uh, belts because they did not feel that way around the Lucha Bros and that's a you know booking problem and they do not feel that way around the Dress Express yet and I think that's also another booking problem. This is the problem too when you have people who are such big stars and then you have nothing and then you have the Hardy family office. I'm just going to leave that there. All right. Next up, we had CM Punk coming out secretly underneath uh, underneath his sweatshirt. And those god dang long boys. Guys, I couldn't I couldn't focus. This entire segment was probably one of the best segments, if not the best segment of the night. And I couldn't focus because of those stupid long boys. Put the trunks on, CM Punk. You don't look like you look like Sting. You look like 60-year-old Sting. Did no one else get that vibe? With the black shirt and the trunks and the, the ugh, I'm, I'm done. Put the trunks on. Or the shorts even. Put the shorts on. You looked awesome. I don't know why I'm saying you. CM Punk, I'm talking directly to you. Phil Brooks, sir, Mr. Brooks. You looked awesome in the trunks when you fought uh, Eddie Kingston. But Hook is kind of wearing the trunks, so you probably don't want to go there right now. I wouldn't if I were you. Not the trunks. I mean, not the, the, the shorts. The little short shorts. The fight shorts. I understand why you would not want to wear the fight shirts, shorts right now, CM Punk. I totally get it. But put the trunks on. Get rid of get rid get rid of the long boys. Get rid of the tights. I can't focus, guys. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Anyways, all right. This was a really good segment, despite the tights, despite my subjective inability to handle the fact that CM Punk looks like an old man in those tights. CM Punk come out came out, had the scarf on. Cut a whole promo about how CM Punk was a baby, you know, wuss, yada, yada, yada. You guys all know it. Great stuff, as always. I don't mean to say it like that, but I also think I've given up on trying to recite anything MJF or a CM Punk or anybody like that says. I just realized I started continuing to re-record as my Keurig is going. I hope you guys can't hear that, but if you can, I hope you, too, can put coffee on a Keurig and... Enjoy yourself. I'm not making coffee right now, though. I'm making tea. I'm a tea drinker now, guys. I'm that kind of person. Uh, I also salute on Zoom. During Zoom meetings, when we uh, when we all log off, I salute. That's the kind of person I am. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, where were we? We were talking about MJF. MJF comes out, obviously, once CM Punk starts saying stuff. And um, MJF basically says that uh, he will have a match with CM Punk in Chicago. And that... Uh, he said, I don't know, he said something about suing a little bit here and there, obviously playing back to the, uh, the whole thing with Colt Cabana. I don't, I don't know if that's canon yet. I don't know if we're going to get that match, guys. I don't know if we're going to get Col- Col- Colt Cabana and CM Punk. Uh, but yes, yeah, this was an amazing segment. 
because of the back and forth, obviously, because it's CM Punk and MJF. It wasn't their best promo battle yet, but um, when CM Punk talks about how he says uh, he's always taking matter, matters into his own hands, he never lied to the people, he'd rather be, uh, rather be him, try and fail, than be like MJF, someone who talks a big game and then just never shows up. Uh, he said that Max paid to see him stand in line, uh, paid to stand in line to get an autograph, to take a picture with him, and uh, says, how dare you put this on? The- these people uh, stands by all his decisions and that the people don't love him because he wins a lot. People love him because he gets back up even when he loses. And just like the people of Cleveland, just like Chicago, I thought that was a little cheesy, but whatever. Uh, he gets back up and fights another day or something along those lines. And then uh, MJF goes, oh, you you uh, you always get back up? Let's give that a little, let's give that a little test run here. Sends, uh, Sean Spears comes out, attacks the inner circle, beat him down. Not the inner circle. What are they? Pinnacle. I'm sorry. I forgot the pinnacle existed for a little while. The pinnacle beat him down and, um, MJF sits on top of CM Punk. Crisscross applesauce spoons in the motherfucking bowl. Says that it's apropos that where your career started in Chicago, obviously, is where it's going to end next week. And we are getting the match next week, guys. MJF versus CM Punk. I already have a polling question to ask you guys, and I feel like I could ask every single time uh, when they announce some big match like this, do you think this opens or uh, main events? Because really, MJ, MJF, AEW, just too many things that are three syllables. AEW has treated that opening slot more like a main event than the main event, let's be honest, right? And um, But then again, is this match going to need all that time? Is this the kind of match that can be... I don't know. To me, this is the main event. This should be booked as the main event in the show, not the opening match. But um, to me, you kind of give your work rate matches your your opening match of the night. And and I wouldn't... <clears throat> MJF... <clears throat> excuse me. MJF is an incredible wrestler. Don't get me wrong. And really, if you don't believe me, go watch the Jungle Boy match. Go watch the Darby Allen match. Like when MJF need, Go watch the Chris Jericho matches. When MJF needs to put on the show, he puts on the show. He's incredible in the ring. We just don't get to see it all that often. So he's really like a special attraction. Good. Supply and demand. Uh, but you don't think of him as a work rate guy. You know what? I, as I'm saying all this, I'm talking myself out of it. Because Darby Allen and MJ have opened up uh, full gear. And it was my favorite match of the night. So who knows? But I still think, I don't know. To me, this I, I, I'm a traditionalist and I like the main event. I'm not a traditionalist at all, actually. But I do like... Um, the idea of having the main event be the main event and and be the last match on the card, and I think that this is well well deserving of it, well worthy of it. So I'm looking forward to this, and I thought this was really good. I thought another really good point of all this was the whole Wardlow deal, obviously. <clears throat> if you are living under a rock lately, you're unaware of the fact that Wardlow is getting sick of MJF's you-know-what, and the money, the money that he is making from him is... Pretty much, little by little, not 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 worth it. Not worth it anymore. Not worth having to deal with the accountability buddy Sean Spears. Not worth having to powerbomb this guy that he probably has some kind of respect for into absolute oblivion. Uh, not worthy of, you know, just not worth it anymore to take all the crap that he takes from MJF. So, and then you get him in his hometown of Cleveland where he already had the squash match beforehand. And he is so over, so over with this audience the only little tweak I would have made to this is I don't think I would have booked a squash match. I think I would have just had him come out in this capacity. 
I think you leave these hometown fans wanting more. But obviously, AEW, Tony Khan likes to try to think that he is the company that does the nice things. They are the nice company. And you book a guy when he's in his hometown or a lady when he's... Lady, a lady. I don't know why I said it like that. A lady. When you but when a lady's in her hometown, you book her in a match. Uh, but, however, somehow, Southern accent aside... Um, I, I see the appeal in that, and I love that. And I love, 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 love that AEW works around uh, where they're going next, their next destination, and, and it, like, intertwines that in their storyline. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but whatever, you know, however they're doing it, it's working in this case. And this is the hottest feud in all of pro wrestling right now. Sorry. Try to tell me differently. I dare you. Uh, CM Punk MJF, it, it is, to me, it's everything that we, yeah, I wanted it to be, um, and I got nice, like, I got, I got my fill of promos for now, obviously, I, I, I don't think this is a one and done match, then we're over, I think we're gonna have another match at Revolution, at least, I think the way I would do it, because this is my next question for you guys, is who wins, right, a little preview for next week on top of this, because I don't do a preview show here, uh, who, who wins, MJF or CM Punk? And if you ask me, which I assume you're doing right now, so thank you, thank you, listener, for asking me. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I had an answer, and I guess I literally, as I was about to say it, I talked myself out of it. I don't, I don't know. I think the way you do it is you have one win one. You have, let's say, again, hypothetically, you have MJF win one match, and then you go back and run it back somehow, some way, and you have CM Punk win the second match, or vice versa, and then you have the blow-off at the pay-per-view and do another best-of-three kind of series. I don't think, as I, you know, you know what, and moaned about uh, AEW doing all these rematches with this 2.0 stuff or whatever and feeling that feeling really stale at this point, AEW has enough... uh, goodwill with me on not being the rematch company with these big matches that I think you can you can use it for this for this because I think we definitely I don't know I guess let's see how the first match goes but um I have a feeling I know who's going to win I don't know if it's the right decision or not but I have a feeling it's going to be MJF and I have a feeling it's going to have something to do with hook or crook and if it's not MJF by hook or crook it's going to be CM Punk and it's going to have something to do with Wardlow being sick of MJF's you know what so those are my thoughts. I'm so unbelievably excited for next week in that match. And we got a tag team match, too, obviously with Private Party and Jurassic Express, which I know is, you know, not the most marquee of all matches, but it's definitely in-ring going to be great quality, and, and I'm looking forward to that, too. So at least I, I think that match is supposed to be on Dynamite. It might be on Rampage. I, I don't, you know, guys, it all blurs together at this point, and I'm old and tired. So, all right, after uh, the match with or after the beatdown, excuse me, we had Julia Hart and Griff Garrison being interviewed backstage, and, you know, AEW and its quota, of course it has to have one backstage interruption, at least one. I want you, if if you, if you, lovely, lovely listener at home, by the way, thank you all for listening to the show. I always appreciate it. It's unbelievable to me that there are that many of you out there that listen to my voice. It's unbelievable to me that there are two of you that listen to my voice out there, let alone more than two, so... I just want to thank you there. But lovely listener at home, if you feel as though uh, you, you know, you're bored this, this weekend or whatever, please watch every Dynamite ever and find me a Dynamite episode that does not have an interruption. Bonus points if it's, uh, it, okay, no, it doesn't have a backstage interruption. Bonus points if it's any kind of interruption 
but find me a match that doesn't or find me an AEW Dynamite episode that does not have a backstage interruption. You get negative five points if you can find me a Rampage that doesn't have a, a backstage interruption because that's not what I asked for. So, all right. Uh, Smart Mark Sterling, though, rolls up, comes on in, interrupts, obviously. Uh, I don't even know what they were asking because it doesn't matter that the interview has nothing to do with it. Why are we interviewing Griff Garrison and Julia Hart? Like, who, who's really, is anybody looking forward to that? That's not the point here. We all know what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, Mark Sterling gives her a contract to sign to release, you know, sign a release form, essentially, because she's going to wrestle with one eye because she's got the eye patch on now. She's Julia Hart. Arg. Julia Hart. I didn't do it well enough. I don't pronounce my R's very well, so it's not funny, but it would have been really funny if I did. Uh, Jade Cargill is having a match with her for the TBS Championship, so she needed to sign a release form. I'm looking forward to seeing Jade Cargill kick the you-know-what out of her, and she should probably just join the House of Black or, I don't know, do something, because uh, is she going to wear the eye patch forever? Uh, is she going to be as committed to the eye gimmick as Malachi Black is? Because if she has power to her, you know what? I take it back. I refute everything that I just said. Power to her. If she wears that eye patch for the rest of her life, I'm talking about hospice care. She's got that eye patch on. I, I take it back. I refute everything that I said on this podcast about her and and this 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 whole thing being silly and being long and drawn long and drawn out, because that's exactly what it feels like. Um, uh, I'm gonna forget it. I know it's later on in the show because we got the women's match next, but I do want to quickly mention it. Malachi Black and uh, Brody King, awesome, super cool, badass, like dudes with tattoos that are you know i don't know what they are but they have faces on them and like you know long hair but not really because they know they're like bald but they have long hair and and you know they wear eye makeup and like listen to music where they scream a lot and you know light candles and like sit in the dark and just like think about darkness i i'm i'm obviously you know making fun of it now but really Really awesome promo. And there was a line in it, too, and I'm going to forget exactly what it was. And I'm never going to say it as cool as Malachi Black did. Uh, Brody King said, I think, like like death. And then there was a really long, dramatic pause. So I'm going to, I was going to do the really long, dramatic pause, but that doesn't make for good audio content. Hence why I talk so fast. So uh, I said, Brody King said, like death. And then Malachi Black said, we're inevitable. If you didn't hear that because the microphone didn't keep, uh, pick up my whispering, which it probably did, and it probably made you really uncomfortable, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, like death, we're inevitable. I thought that line was really, really awesome, and in case I missed that uh, little promo segment thing, whatever they cut, uh, whatever that you want to call it, I, I did want to make a quick mention of that because it's on the top of my head, and I have these thoughts that are on the top of my head, and then I forget to say them, and then I have, like, for example, I meant to say earlier on in the, uh, I should write them down. Uh, I should write them down on my hand, but I have too many tattoos where I try to write stuff on my hand and then I go onto my arm and I have all these annoying things in the way. So what was I saying? Oh yeah. Ladder match. Ladder match. Uh, I, I had a thought about it and I forgot to say anything about it. it was like singles, singles matches, singles matches, two people in the ring, ladder matches. Don't do it for me. So I also subjective point of view right there. You are already starting at like a lower point for me. I just I, it, the believability of it just doesn't work in my brain for some reason. It never has, and uh, and I have some singles matches like ladder matches that I have really enjoyed in the past. And give you like Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, obviously at SummerSlam, and then I think so, and then oh uh, six. Oh, did I get the date even in that the year SummerSlam oh six? I could be so wrong about that. Uh, I I don't think it was oh six. It might be oh four. Um. 
but then in the undertaker jeff hardy on raw that was like i don't know 2000 something um yeah you know i'm not gonna have the date for that one but uh i, I do have a couple of those see out there those are two really random ones but really uh that's, I'm, not, that's not, I'm not i'm saying Shawn michaels whatever no uh, it's Jeff Hardy and Undertaker on Raw and uh, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. I, those are two ladder matches I did enjoy, but still, the believability for it for me, you know, uh, in my head, I'm just having Eddie scream out, where the F is Vicky? Um, all right, let's move on because we have a women's match to talk about. And, you know, I want to give this all the credit in the world because the fans uh, are just, uh, just don't seem to. Um, and I'm not even going to blame them about it. But let's let's talk about the match first and then we will get into that. Excuse me, I wanted to take a sip of my, my tea. Because, you know, guys, I'm a tea drinker now. All right, Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet. Uh, this, I thought, was one of Red Velvet's better showings, at least on Dynamite. You guys know, I've just said it loud and clear. I don't watch Dark and Dark Elevation, except for the one time I was at Grand Slam. Uh, and I watched it live. But it was really just a big show beating up a bunch of people. So, I don't know. Uh, it was fun, though. Good time. I just, I don't I don't have the time to put to put that on YouTube and watch it as well. So, uh, and also, it just doesn't have... I always say that I don't have the time. It's not necessarily about that, you guys, because I watched Dynamite at 5 a.m. this morning. So it's it's more so... Even Rampage is starting to not feel like must-see television for me, so why do I need to watch it? it doesn't There's not enough interesting stuff going on that would make me want to watch it. So that's the honest truth. Anyways, what? Okay, Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch. Let's stick on topic here. Let's drink our tea and stick, stick on topic. Uh, Layla Hirsch, the story of this match essentially was, and the commentator said it, Layla Hirsch, more of a grappler... Red Velvet, more of a kicky, flippy, you know what, you know, uh, not a swear word at all. I just, I just didn't have another word that would go with kicky and flippy. Uh, so, Red Velvet, I thought, looked, like I said, really good in this, and Layla Hirsch as well. Towards the end of the match, essentially, Layla Hirsch hits a terrible, like a terrible, in the best way possible, looking knee to uh, Red Velvet in the corner, goes for the pinfall. I, I don't, kicks out for Red Velvet at two, then puts her in an arm bar, and then Red Velvet gets the rope, and then she rolls her up, uses the tights, and uh, gets that win by pinfall. And it's almost like they had a like a roll up quota. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is not WWE, guys. This is not WWE. Uh, but no, I, 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 at first I was like, what the, you know, what did they? Did, why did they do that? And when I think about it a little more, it makes a little more sense to me. So if you were like me, and you thought, hey, that made no sense. Why did they do that? Layla Hirsch looks silly. Let me offer you an alternate perspective similar to, you know, what Ashley and I were talking about last week. Maybe it'll help you enjoy this a little bit more. Uh, and maybe you can be a fan at a Dynamite taping or a Dynamite show, live show, and uh, not be so systematically bogged down by Tony Khan and the rest of AEW's booking and uh, actually get hyped up for a women's match that has really good work because you guys know if this, if again, I'm not going to name any names, but there were two dudes in this ring doing this match. They, they would have got a better response because AEW has trained you and I, and I know it's not just me because I am someone who is probably one of the bigger advocates for this women's division, right? Uh, again, I'm, I'm offering, I'll get tattoos on my freaking body for life. They go away in seven years anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? Uh, no, I will, I am, I am, you know, going with the DMD sign, Britt Baker, all the way, all these women, really. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. I am an advocate for this women's division is my point. And even I, there's a thing that goes off in my brain that says, oh, it's the women's match. I can, you know, go make a tea or go make a coffee or something. Uh, I don't do that because I actually try to watch every part of the show because I don't want to miss anything and, and I cover it on here. So that would be a really, I'd be doing a really bad job if I was doing that. But 
you know, AEW has trained us essentially to say, oh, this is the woman's match. This is like the pee break, you know, and it sucks because this was a really good match and it deserved more of a reaction than it got. I think the reaction was okay and you could definitely hear there were a lot of people in the crowd that were like up for it, but even still, a lot of that stuff feels like pat on the head kind of up for it. So I'm not, I'm not even going to go down that road. We're just going to analyze what we saw on TV and uh, the alternate perspective I was going to give you guys was that uh, and, and maybe you thought of this already, and maybe um, I'm definitely not the only person to come up with this. And uh, and maybe you really enjoyed the way this ended as well, and you're not like me, and just you're just a cranky butt. So, uh, but my the way I looked at this, and I was like, oh, okay, this wasn't stupid. Actually, maybe it made sense for this. Layla Hirsch. I'm I'm picturing Layla Hirsch in uh, the empty, not empty, but the the um, in Jacksonville. When the Daly's place, I don't know why I blinked for a second there, at Daly's place with like no, you know, just the wrestlers really on the outside. And she had, I can't even remember who the match was against. I don't think it was Nyla Rose, but it might have been. Um, and she, and this was not the only time she ever did that, right? But this is the one that's coming to my mind. She tried to do a moonsault, essentially. Like she had the match won and she tried to do a moonsault. And she, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, for all I know, for all you guys know, I could totally be making up, I could totally be making up all of this, and who's, who's gonna fact check me? Um, the watch, like, three of you actually tweet me and fact check me. No, but so, <laughs> Leela Hirsch was on the turnbuckle doing a, uh, moonsault or something. She, like, had the match won, but she always, she needed to do a little extra flair thing to it. She needed to do a little extra something, like a springboard or something. I forget what exactly it was, but I think she was doing a backflip. And she missed, messed up, and uh, ended up losing the match. And I think that happens with a lot of Layla Hirsch matches because it's a clear pattern I have in my head uh, of Layla Hirsch being really cool and awesome but just kind of like never being able to get the job done because she goes for broke too much. And uh, and not in like real life, but in like kayfabe terms and like actual storyline canon, right? She goes for broke too much and that's how she loses. Maybe... Maybe, maybe, maybe this was a version of her doing something like that with the arm bar rather than just pinning her. And then she almost lost, but instead, now because she's a heel, she used the tights, she rolled up. So either way, she'll win, even if she goes for broke or not. I don't know. There was some attempted character development here for a, a women's division match, and I was all for it. I'll take what I can get at this point, which is really depressing. But uh, post-match, she puts on the arm bar again. Uh, by the way, she won. I think I said that. Yeah, with the roll-up with the tights. Puts on the arm bar again. Red Velvet. Oh, my God. I forgot to mention. Red Velvet sold that arm incredibly in this match. Incredibly. I really thought she was injured for a quick second. I was like, oh, no. Red Velvet's just a baller. And now I'm hitting my tee against stuff. Um, but, yeah, she puts the, uh, Layla puts the cross arm bar uh, back on Red Velvet after the match. And then Chris Statlander comes out, makes a save. And I'm excited for this match between these two. Uh, I assume Layla Hirsch is going to take the win, which kind of sucks, and and I don't I don't think the payoff is going to be, you know, I I have a feeling Layla Hirsch is going to cheat to win, and then we'll see what she does next. I don't know where Layla Hirsch goes next. Maybe I just have a lot of a lack of faith in the women's division booking in this company, so I, it's hard for me to get too excited about it. But you know what, guys, this is this is progress. This is a step in the right direction. I will take what I can get, like I said. So, uh, oh, here's when we had that video package that I already talked about from the. Uh, the Kings of the Black Mat, something, I don't know what it was, the Black Throne, I, I didn't look it up, I forgot, picture-in-picture uh, picture cue cards with Sammy and Fuego Del Sol, that's another thing about the latter match I forgot to mention, the whole Fuego Del Sol interference made no sense to me, like, just made no sense, it wasn't like Cody Rhodes was doing anything over the top than they had already done, I just, felt needless to me it just felt like another I don't know it's like again AEW is a nice company we're gonna get Fuego Del Sol on TV but when it's at uh oh 
I forgot to mention as well. Look at that. I missed so many things in this opening match. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even going to go back, and we're not going to talk about anything else, though, because we're moving on. I'm tired. We got to talk about Britt Baker. Uh, but yes, when when AEW makes like your, you know, Fuego del Souls, like when when their niceness, quote unquote, right? If you want to call it that, um, comes at the expense of the actual stories and the and the show. I don't know. I, I just felt like it was unnecessary, but it didn't kill the match. The match wasn't again. There wasn't much to kill, anyways. So. All right, next up, Britt Baker, DMD, coming on the uh, coming on the mic, coming down to the ring. Essentially, she just kind of. This is another example of like that the thing I said with the bricks, like she had this idea about uh, some quarterback. I don't know, guys. I don't like football. I think football is the most boring sport in the world. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said it. I, I love hockey. I like basketball. I like soccer. Even um, I really like watching hockey. Actually, probably out of the most. Yeah, basketball is the most fun. Um, but football is so boring to me. It is so unequivocally boring. And, uh, so I, that's my subjective point of view. Don't at me. Uh, but yes, so she talks about some quarterback named Baker or something and, and, and basically makes fun of him and says, at least you have one Baker you can count on and talks about our PWI awards. And, and that was it. I I think this would have made a lot more sense to me. If one of two things, one, you didn't have the next match, the main event with Adam Cole, who's really mad at Orange Cassidy about the fact that Britt Baker took this awful bump and then she's perfectly fine. Uh, I think it would have been better if maybe Reba and Jamie Hayter were there. I don't know where they are. Hopefully they're okay. Hopefully they're healthy. Um, and if this wasn't all about just making fun of Cleveland, like, you know, it just if it wasn't all just cheap heat essentially this had little to no substance to it and it felt like another attempt for AEW to be like oh look we guys 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 look look over here over here over here we have a uh, we have a women's division look this is Britt Baker this is our women's division look at all the awards she's won this is our women's division look at Britt Baker no but what about any and you developing you know other talent what's any other storylines how many matches a week of the women do you have you know on Dynamite so uh, no, but look at Britt Baker. Look at, she's, she's our, this is our women's division. Look, she's our champion. Look at all the awards she won. It just didn't really, didn't work for me. But you know what, guys? Subjectively, though, that's, that's my, that's my, like, official podcast point of view. Subjectively, I was just happy to see Britt Baker. Uh, okay. Thunder Rose, not Thunder Rosa, uh, Nyla Rose comes out, cuts the best promo of the night on Ruby Soho, uh, talks about how she costed her, it costed her, cost, cost her, cost her. She cost her, right? Correct grammar. She cost her uh, the TBS championship in the uh, tournament, and that her victories a fluke. If they, re- I love this line for some reason. If they wrestled a hundred times, she'd win ninety nine of them, and she'll prove it next week. You know what? I'll take it. They do it with all the men, the angle for an angle's sake. At least they're making an effort here. And you know what? Nyla Rose is like not a bad promo. Uh, the excuse me, I could live without. You know, speaking of Vicky Guerrero earlier on in this, in this show, but. As we uh, as we wind things down here on the uh, the AEW Dynamite review show, I'm going to take another sip of tea, and we're going to talk about our main event, which was the lights out match: Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. I love the tea. I love the tea bag into. Oh, I don't know why that's gross. Now it's because it's room temperature. All right, we're not talking about my tea. We are talking about the main event that was the lights out match, and um, yeah, guys, I don't. Uh, I don't. 
I got mixed feelings about this whole match. I thought, um, I thought it was a, a fun and interesting. You know what? You don't know unless you try it. You don't know unless you try it. I've had a lot of experiences in life, guys, where you don't know unless you try it. So that's kind of what this main event was for me. They, they didn't, this was like a different take on a lights out match. And you don't know if it's going to work really until you try it. And, um, and I give them the credit for, for taking a different approach. I thought it was creative. Uh, and I thought it was, um, you know, obviously with, uh, with an Orange Cassidy and an Adam Cole as Adam Cole is right now, it was going to probably take a more comedic route. And the fact that they got to this whole match with the, like the perspective that I was explaining to or talking with Ashley last week, you guys, if you listened to the show last week, if you didn't, I know it's a little out of date, but you should go still go listen to it. It's like a three hour conversation. We talked about just AEW. We were really just reviewing dynamite, but you know how it is when you just get to talking about something you're passionate about. So, um, but yeah, when you come at this match with the perspective that, uh, Adam Cole started this match because Orange Cassidy accidentally knocked Britt Baker off the table. And Adam Cole was like, you know what? Lights out match. Uh, it's going to be a little silly. I don't think it's going to be like this blood feud. Uh, the only thing that didn't match with that really, that tone, is the Orange Cassidy. I guess it kind of did. Orange Cassidy really firing up. And it's been cool to see another layer of the Orange Cassidy character. But uh, we had Dan Housen just somehow under the ring. Uh, Orange Cassidy hitting an awesome tornado DDT on the outside. And then there were a bunch of really good spots in this match that, you know, this to me, guys, I- I'm not going to go through this whole thing because it was very similar to-, to what I was talking about with the opening match. Same idea. I just felt like it was kind of more like spot to spot rather than a little less than the, the first match, but definitely when they went backstage too, like that was seemed so pointless to me. They, they didn't have the Rhea Ripley, um, well, Kel Gonzalez factor, you know, they lacked that. It felt very contrived in a lot of ways. But I did like the ending of this with the hug and then falling off. And yes, uh, Adam Cole actually lost in an unsanctioned match, so it will not count to his record. But Orange Cassidy wins by pinfall uh, with a hug, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, a hug off the uh, off wherever they were um, through the stage. And again, it was creative and it was new and it was different. And you got to try stuff out. Did I, did I think this was the best thing ever? No. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was, guys. You know what? Now, yeah, when I really think about it, I have I don't have any complaints, and I'm not going to try to make any up. Uh, I thought they addressed the necessary interference in a way because it's the way that the whole program was built. It was going to be weird if no one came out. I thought they handled that really subtly and, like, just, like, here, it's here. We're addressing it, but the ma- these guys are going to have their match. I thought... Orange Cassidy had a really a bunch of awesome fire up spots. Uh, I've been falling in love with Orange Cassidy in, in matches like this and last year's beach break. So I'm uh I enjoyed this. And you know what? I'm just gonna leave it at that, guys. I enjoyed the main event. Let me know your thoughts on the main event. And let me know your thoughts on the whole show. Because uh I am gonna go try to make a different kind of tea, because this this one's not great. And I'm gonna go to bed. Uh you know what? Tweet me your favorite kind of tea too. Are you a tea drinker? Do you salute people on a Zoom call when you log off or Skype or whatever you do? Uh, Are you that kind of person? Uh, Let me know. And let me know uh, what you thought of this episode of Dynamite. Let me know uh, if you think Adam Cole is going to be Hangman Page, Challenger of Revolution. Let me know what you think about the Texas Deathmatch thing that I didn't even approach. You know what? That's the last thing I'm going to say before we get off on this show. The Lance Archer, Hangman Adam Page thing. I didn't mention that. The one thing I'll say... And I'll treat it like the main event because AEW certainly doesn't seem to be, at least with the whatever's going on. Uh, I'll I'll put it at the end of my show here. Uh, 
when you have to book a stipulation for a, for a match, when you have to because the original match is so uninteresting, you know you got a problem. Uh, stipulation matches are fine. They're certainly having a lot of them on AEW, but um, are fine, especially when they're warranted and when they make sense or when they're... Um, and I'm not even saying this doesn't make sense, but or when, like for me... If Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole, I guess they already had another match, so that doesn't really make sense. Um, this ladder match with Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes, if they had just had another regular match too, both of these people already had matches and they're things in the front of my mind. My point being is that if um, if we just had Lance Archer versus Hangman Page in a regular match, I know it would be boring as all heck. And I guarantee this this match between the two of them is going to be awesome in the Texas Death Match. It's, I loved uh, Hangman Page's reaction as well during that promo. I thought that was so funny. But uh, it's just it's a problem, you know, when you're booking somebody and you know they're not good enough or they can't put on a good enough match with this person or they're they're not over enough or whatever you want to call it. You have them in your world title, your world title. Uh, orbit, whatever you want to call it, challenger, and they can't even have a regular. You can't even book a regular match because you know it's going to be too boring. That's a problem. That's something to just just take a look at. Take a look at. So, all right, go get your tea, guys. Go get your don't get your tea. Whatever you do, coffee, water. If it's the morning, the evening, have a wonderful whatever time of day it is. Have a wonderful Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, have a wonderful everything i i can't think of anything else that you can have a, have a wonderful meal have a wonderful meal in the next 24 hours and uh and have yourself a wonderful day i will talk to you guys next time thanks for listening so are you a trucker or do you know somebody that's a trucker somebody that drives an 18 wheeler for a living right they they basically live out of their truck well there's a website that i can give to you that may be a great gift for them and that is truckerfactory.com that's truckerfactory.com so what's this website about it's got everything you need to essentially live in your truck if you're on the road a lot this website's for you because it's got everything you'd need from dash cams to gps smartphones chargers AC and DC adapters, portable power stations, laptops, everything you need to stay connected, as well as awesome apparel that'll keep you warm while you're on the road, headsets so you're hands-free while you're driving. So we know there's a lot of people out there that drive trucks for a living, and especially today. So go check out truckerfactory.com. All of their prices are extremely reasonable. I mean, really high-end laptops for under $1,000, the latest smartphones at a discounted price. I mean, this is a website that you can't go wrong with if you live on the road or if you know somebody that's living on a road, driving a truck, for example. So check out truckerfactory.com. So we know you love your wrestling podcasts, but maybe you're looking to take a break or supplement your wrestling podcasts with another genre. I've got a great option for you. The podcast is called Philip and Michael Talk Movies. Doesn't get more simple than that, right? So what exactly is this? It's a comedy podcast where indie pro wrestler Philip Shadburn and filmmaker Michael Benton, they tell you everything you ever wanted to know about your favorite movies. They do 80s action, comedies, horror, slasher movies, sci-fi, and a whole bunch more stuff. So check out some of the movies that they've reviewed. Silent Night, Jingle All the Way. They did a, a bit of a Christmas special. They did Edward Scissorhands, Alien, John Carpenter's E.T., Fire in the Sky, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Arrival. So, guys, this is a podcast you're going to love. I was listening to just their latest couple of episodes on Close Encounters and Arrival. 
it, I was laughing out loud. I mean, they are just such a dynamic duo. They have a great chemistry. The audio is second to none. They have a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts. That's impossible. I mean, that is impossible. Guys, we have like a 4.1, all right? They're kicking our ass. Uh, they've got a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts. It's nearly impossible to do. So that tells you the quality of this podcast. And if you want to just get away, you're a movie aficionado and you love kind of 80s and slashers and things, check out Philip and Michael Talk Movies. They also have a Patreon uh, page if you're interested at patreon.com slash PMTM. So you can go support them there. Of course, they're available nearly everywhere you have podcasts as well. So check out Philip and Michael Talk Movies. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.